I've said this before, but be, being a pastor is all I've ever imagined doing. Like my entire life, I just knew this was gonna do. First time I started telling people, I was 13. I was like, this is, I had no other life imagined for myself. Other than when I was like a, a, a child, like three, four years old, I thought I was gonna be the Easter Bunny. And, um, cause I thought the Easter Bunny was so cool, he brings presents to my house, maybe one day he'll hire me. And, um, and my mom said, you can't just do that, you've got to um, be an orthopedic surgeon and take your mom on ski trips too. And I didn't, I couldn't say that very well. And so when people would ask me, what are you gonna be when you grow up? I'd say, I'm gonna work for the Easter Bunny and I'm gonna be an orthopedic sturgeon, which is a fish. So I told people I was gonna grow up and be a bunny and a fish. Um, but other than that, my entire life, I knew like this is this right here, being a pastor, this is all I wanted to do. This is what God was calling me to do, who's calling me to be. But even knowing all that, there's still been times in my ministry over the past decade plus where I've said, you know, I'm not very good at this. I don't wanna do this anymore. I should just quit. I should just give up. I started preaching and leading worship in 2005. I was hired onto my first church staff to work in 2007. And over these past 12 years, there have been a number of moments, a few and far between, but I can remember them specifically, where I'm just like, man, this is, I'm no good at this. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about your profession. You're like, man, it's just been a tough day. I'm just, let's go do something else. I'm gonna go be a, a cruise ship entertainer. That's my new fallback. And so <laughs> I think I could be pretty good at that. But I, I remember one day in particular, though, in March of 2016, I was working as a chaplain at Huntington College and things were going well in the ministry. Um, the ministry was growing, new small groups, worship was great. But after my prayer time on one Friday morning, I used to have this ritual in Montgomery where for an hour before I go into the school, I would um, meditate, do some yoga, stretching, and then pray, and then pray for the students specifically. And then afterwards, um, that morning, I pulled out the Instagrams, and I was looking and just seeing what was going on in people's lives, you know, seeing what we can celebrate, or talk to them, connect with them about. And I'm like, the first picture I saw there were 40 Huntington students who had driven the night before from Montgomery to Auburn to go to one college ministry, it's the Church of Highlands College Ministry, and they do awesome things, and it's a great college ministry. But at that moment, when I saw there was 40 students who carpooled together to drive 50 miles, I was, had this like weird mixture of emotions. I was like, man, I'm glad that they're experiencing Jesus. I'm so glad that they think they can be together. They see it important to be a community, to go to worship together. Like There was that piece of me, but then there was like this self-consciousness piece of me. It's like, what am I not doing as a pastor? Why am I not being able to help them or, or to connect them? Because we were averaging about 80 people in worship. That was kind of our, our college ministry on Tuesday nights. And none of them, when I looked at the picture, none of them came. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm a terrible pastor. Like, I didn't know that none of those, that these people were looking for Jesus and they had to go somewhere else to find him. And it just like, it kind of broke my heart for, for me. And I, I was like, man, maybe we're not doing something right. Maybe I'm not doing something right. And I was kind of in this like guilt, hurt, mopey, you know, probably self-indulgent stage for a couple of days. And then there's like this kind of like God kicks you in the pants sometimes, you know, like wakes you up to some realities. And for me, um, after prayer and conversation with other people, I realized a couple of things that God um, was speaking into my life. And the first was that we were not called to be some other ministry. I started comparing myself and our ministry against other ministries. And God's like, hey, who are you? Like, you're doing Huntington College campus ministries. You're not supposed to be that, something else. You're not supposed to be this church or that church. Like, be you, you know, do you, be, be who you're supposed to be. And um, as I was thinking about that, trying to think about our identity, I also realized that I had gotten into the church competition business. I don't know if you've ever heard about the church competition business. 
But it's where sometimes pastors, we, we try to increase the number of people who go to our church by stealing them from other churches because we're doing something, something new and cool. And I, I've got to confess, I was very guilty of that. I was like, why do you want to go to that church? They're not doing things. Like, we're way cooler. We got this going on over here. We got, we're going to Waffle House afterwards. I'll even pay for it. I was like bribing kids to come to worship. Um, actually, I'm, I'm kind of not above that. If they're not like knowing Jesus, I'll get them to come to Waffle House. But I was definitely comparing myself in competition with other ministries as opposed to realizing who God was calling us to be. Who are we? What is our identity? And lastly, God convicted me that ministry for the kingdom of God is not dependent on me as a pastor. And that's been something that's been hard for me to, to learn over these past number of years is that I am a limited human being. And there's only so much I can do. I, I work hard. I try to do as much good as I can. But I am not the church. Sheila is not the church. Robbins and Kathy, we as clergy are not the church. We all are the church together. Amen. Dauphin Way is not the pastor's church. It is not the staff's church. It's not we go to their church. This is our church. We are the church my identity became wrapped up in my abilities to see measurable outcomes. And so as numbers grew, I felt real good about myself. But like around spring break time in college ministry, when people would go off to the beach, I'd be like, man, apparently I'm bad at this now. Last month I was good, this month I'm bad. And then at the beginning of the fall, I'm good again. And my identity and my self-worth went up and down with the church competition business. And God convicted me and help me realize that my identity is not wrapped up in that. I'm a child of God, loved and offered forgiveness and grace by Jesus Christ. And we, are our, we all are that. We are all that together. All of us are children of God, saved by grace and loved. And so Vision Day is not about, here's how we're doing compared to other churches. The next few minutes, I'm gonna be going through a number of, of things about our church. And whenever I say these things, it's not like we are this compared to, this is just who we are. This is where we are as a church. This is where we've been over the past year in 2017. This is where we believe God is calling us. And we're gonna rally around each other and around the cross and believe that Jesus is at work here now and always. And how can we live more into who God is calling us to be? How can we be the family of Dauphin Way together. So with that in mind, the first thing I want us to be able to do is to celebrate. Celebrate the incredible work that goes on in this church. I want you to just look at all these ministries of compassion and mission and support that we're offering through this church in some capacity. We're giving to these or we're housing these or we're doing these. And I could spend my entire sermon talking about all of these. But just to point out a few that you might know well or others you might not, Joy for Johnny meets in these two rooms once a month and it offers a respite for families who have um, children with special needs. And we have this incredible gathering once a month where we play games and we do finger painting, we have music. And we offer those families a chance to, to be able to go on a date to be able to go to a small group, to be together as we care for those children. The Raise the Roof ministry was born out of this church that is doing work in our local community to help give roofs over houses, literally put roofs over people's heads who need them. We don't often think about that because a lot of us go home to a sturdy roof, but there are people in our community who have water coming in, who are cold, and we have a ministry that's born out of this church that does that 
Our Honduras team is about to leave to go support ministries down in Honduras, and they are doing incredible work. We also provide space, and we support the Dwell ministry that works with refugees who've moved here to Mobile. Our Meals on Wheels ministry has over 100 people each week, 100 volunteers that deliver, that make the meals here. We don't just go buy them. We make them here and we deliver them to houses. Our youth group just went to Orlando. Our Saint, a Society of St. Stephen's ministry is amazing. This is how we help the poor and needy in our community. They make appointments to come up here on Mondays and Tuesdays and meet with volunteers to talk about how can we support them, how can we pray for them, and how can we help them financially or with food. And we help with power bills and with rent, and we help give um, need, uh, the things that they need and connect to them with people that they need to be connected to. We build relationships. It is such an awesome ministry. Financially, we support Dumas Wesley and McKimmy's Place and Inner City Missions. Our connectional giving goes to support the Children's Home, Alabama Rural Ministries, as well as our United Methodist Wesley Foundations and Schools. And for that, I'm very grateful. I went to Huntington College, which is a United Methodist institution, and I worked there, so I know how much the church's financial support means to that school and how it literally could not operate without it. So like, no joke, this is not hyperbole, because of you, I was able to meet my wife because I went to Huntington where she went to Huntington, and so thank you for bringing us together. I appreciate that very much. We as a church do some incredible ministries locally, regionally, and around the world. And that is something we should celebrate. Together, we last year in 2017, we gave $240,000 to missions through our connectional giving, our designated giving, through our budget, and through our individual projects. All of those things together, we gave $240,000. That's something to celebrate, church. Let's be proud of that. I've, I've worked in a number of churches, and we, Sheila and I keep saying over and over, Sheila Robbins and I, like this church does so much, so many ministries, so many compassionate ministries, so many great things that we should be proud of, and I'm proud to be a pastor who, at a church that cares about the community. I'm proud to be a pastor at a church who cares about missions, who cares about serving the least, the lost, and the lonely, and that's exciting. I also want to name some realities that are just about where we are. People ask all the time, you know, um, what, how many people are serving in different areas. And so we have, I'm sorry, we have um, 512 people volunteering in the church last year, 500 different people. So like serving here on physical property on campus, which equals 21,327 hours worth of volunteerism last year. We also had 593 people volunteering in the community, region, and around the world through Dauphin Way, like as part of ministry to this church, which equals 40,200 hours of volunteerism in the community through this church. And that is awesome. So thank you, church. Thank you for answering the call. Thank you for saying, you know what? We're gonna go be Jesus here on earth. We're gonna be the church. That is amazing. Some realities, though, are just some, some other things people ask. You know, how many people are in worship? How many? We have 1,702 members in our church. We average 670 people in worship each week on average in 2017. Um, there were 310 in contemporary on average, 308 in traditional, 52 in our 820 chapel, and that's our weekly average, which means, though, I didn't put this number on the screen, but as a church, on average, we worship together about 1.3 times per month as an individual. Each of us, if you, if you think about how many members we have in our church and how many people are here regularly, we average coming to worship about a little more than once, once and a quarter per month. 
um, which is actually not that far off from the national average, but I think that's something we can grow in as a church. I think we can be in the worship together regularly more often. In 2017, there were 187 people in Sunday school. There were 112 adults in life groups. There were 485 people in all of our various discipleship groups, life groups, covenant groups, Bible studies, and prayer groups, which is exciting that that many people are hearing, like, I need to be in discipleship. I need to be learning more about the word. I need to be present with my fellow believers and be in the Bible together. I think that's great. We also, last year, and this is something to celebrate. This is something we're gonna clap for again. We had 38 professions of faith last year. Come on, church, that's exciting. If you don't know what that means, that means 38 different people last year said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to follow the Lord. I wanna be a Christian. Through confirmation and public professions of faith, there are 38 different people that said, I want to be part of this church family. And that is something that is exciting. And I say thank you, God, to that. I'm so grateful that that many people said, you know what, we wanna be part of this. As a church family, we also have to talk about our financial realities, where we are. And before I do this, I must confess something to you. Before I started preaching regularly, I was like terrified of the idea of talking about money in public. Not just like if, for like a stewardship campaign or something good or bad, just in general. Because I know very, I'm, I'm, I'm as far from a CPA as you will ever see. I do not always understand these things, which is why I have my notes right here in front of me. But also, I, I was also like nervous about it because I just, I don't know, it's kind of, sometimes it feels icky to talk about, I thought. I just, until my mentor, Dr. Carl Stegall, who was my teaching parish, my supervised ministry mentor during um, seminary, two, he did two things for me. I was listening to him preach one day at First Methodist Montgomery. And in the church, in like, you know, big cathedral, beautiful stone church, there's the mayor, state senators, lawyers, doctors, like all the people who basically run Montgomery, not all of them, but a lot of them are in this church. And he goes up there and he preaches this sermon that is just bold and audacious. And I'm just like, woo. And he said, there are some of us here this morning who pay homage to a false God. There are, there's a God in some of our lives that is greater than the one true God. And I know this because many of us give more money at the seat of Bear Bryant and Pat Dye and offer more financial blessings to the gods of college football than we do to the own church that is the representation of Jesus Christ in the world. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> you know, whenever you feel like, God, like the preacher calls somebody else out and so you're like, you, you. But then I'm like, that's me too. Like I don't you know, give a lot of money to college football, but I was paying my fraternity dues which were $400 a semester, and I would barely put cash in the offering plate if I had it in my wallet, and let's be honest, in college, who carries cash? And so, like, I was the same. My God was a different God. It wasn't Pat Dye or Bear Bryant, for sure, but um, not for sure, not like, not like denigrating Bear Bryant over Pat Dye. It was neither of them. I'm a Huntington hawk, hawk em. Um, But I realized I, I had that same conviction. And then he told me something else, though, during seminary in one of our teaching parish ministry, um, you know, we were together every Monday. And he said to me, or he said to all of us, he said, you know, Huntington College is amazing. Alabama, Auburn, they're amazing. There are nonprofits in this world that are amazing, that do great work, and we should celebrate that. And all those organizations have in common the fact that they're not scared to talk about or ask for financial support for the good work they do. So why is the church, which has the best thing to offer this world, afraid to talk about finances? And what I realized was it was two things for me. I was afraid to talk about money because I was convicted that I was not a faithful giver. 
We're often scared to talk about the things that we know are not right in our own lives. And so that was a conviction for me. And also, it was that I was afraid that people might not like me. I'm just going to be honest. I've told you all that before. I was, just, I was afraid if I ever got up into a pulpit and talked about you know, money, then people would be like, I just brought my friend to church for the first time, and this is the money sermon. <laughs> this is not our stewardship campaign. This is not stewardship season. We are talking about stewardship of our whole lives and the whole church. And so we talked about the, the professions of faith and missions and financial realities are just part of it. And I don't shy away from that anymore because that's just a reality that we have that we face as a church that we talk about together. And so I will talk to you from here about this, and if you wanna meet me in my office or at Carpe Diem, we'll talk about whatever you wanna talk about. I wanna be as transparent as possible. And so in our first six months on the job, we realized and came into learning some new realities or about the financial realities of this church, of our church together. We had originally projected or proposed this year for a budget that had a $200,000 deficit in it, built in with the hopes that we would see some growth in our giving. But Robbins and the finance committee got together and talked and said that might not be the smartest thing we can do. That might not be what we should be doing. That might not be what God is calling us to do. But even still, whenever we cut the budget to exactly what it looked like last year, um, we still have a projected annual deficit of $60,000. That's just a reality. As before Christmas, um, we were actually almost $100,000 of expenses over income. So we were already way behind. And then just, to, again, naming the realities that they are, some of you saw that there was gonna be a good opportunity. Um, Christmas convicted us. We had saw some new money come in during Christmas, but also that tax reform came, and, and some of us went ahead and prepaid out our pledges. And so our cash on hand is actually great now. I mean, we are, are operating in a much healthier place today, but we're still projected to end with a deficit at the end of the year. And that's just a reality that it is. And what I wanna say is, I meant to say this a second ago, I'm not telling you these things to tell you, hey, you all need to help us make our budget. That is not my goal here. My goal is just to tell what it is and say what it is. And giving is something about our heart. It is something between us and God. And I wanna talk more about it in just a second. But as I talk about budget things, this is not just hey, we, have, we might not meet our budget, so you all need to help us meet the budget. That's not what this is at all. What I believe is that us as a leadership team, as a pastors and staff, we've talked and we realize the financial realities as they are, and that if as a church, we wanna move in a different direction and say, you know what, we're not gonna budget as much in the future, or we need to think about what that might look like for us to get, for, to us to not be in the red at the end of the year, that might be different realities for us as staff or ministries or clergy, and, and we're okay with that because we want the church to do what the church wants to do, to be who the church wants to be. And so we have our elected groups in our church. If you don't know this about the Methodist Church, our church council, our finance committee, our staff parish relations committee, these our trustees, these group makes the decisions for the church, and we as pastors are guides. We're here to just talk about what is real, what's going on, how can we advise, what are we doing weekly to talk to people about what's going on. And that's just, the church makes these decisions together. And um, our nominations committee meets every year to put people on these committees. And, and then together as a church, we decide what is God calling us to do? How is God calling us to act? And so there are a couple of other funds that we use to do ministry with. They're not on the screen. They'll be in your annual report. And there's a number, there's a lot of money in those, but they're called designated giving the trust fund and the foundation. And those do different things, but they can only be used for what that money was given for. So let's say, for example, if we created the Woods Needs a Razor Fund, which my mother, my grandmother would love for you to create, um, you could only use that money to buy me a razor. 
That's just what a designated fund is. And if the church is not operating because you know, we weren't able to continue having you know, staff or whatever it might be for that time of the year, then you can't spend the money that's in those designated accounts. And so that's just where we are, and that's just what it is. I do wanna say, though, um, as we're naming these realities, I hope and I, and I believe that as a church, we pray about what is our identity as faithful stewards of everything God has given us, of our buildings. Like, how are we using them to best reach the community? And I think we're doing a great job of that with Scouts, with Joy for Johnny, with Saint Society St. Stephen's, with Dwell. How are we using us as individuals to serve? And I think we're doing a great job as that as well. I think the financial piece of it is just something we have to grow into and something we have to live into. And as a church and as individuals, we have to say and ask these tough questions, what does it mean for us as Dauphin Way moving forward with that reality? And so though I do not want you to now leave here and be like, Woods may feel guilty, I'm gonna go get to the budget. It's not my, I promise it's not my goal. I do wanna be fully transparent with you as a pastor though. I always, I always say this, is one of my biggest goals as a pastor, be transparent. And when I talk about giving, I don't want you to think this is just us telling you what you should give. And if you do think, you know, I'm not giving the way I should, I do want to at least think about it and pray about it as a family. We have a new website that just went live yesterday, and it's awesome. And again, Morgan and has been working with Amanda Comer, and they put that together, and it is fantastic. Leave here, go on your phone, type in dolphinwayumc.org. It looks really great, and there's the, like the give button. And I just want to show you what it looks like if you were to like click on it. This is what that page looks like, and it's a little... We're working on upgrading this too. This is something we're living into and it's a little complicated and that's why I wanna show you mine and Brianna's. So this next slide right here. So Brianna and I give $600 a month, $7,200 a year. That's 10% of the amount that we make together. I make $35,000 in salary after taxes and you are also gracious and you provide us with a housing allowance and for that we are very grateful. We used to, you know, pastors used to have parsonages but we don't really do those anymore because they end up costing more money. And so um, Brianna, as a nurse, after taxes and insurance, brings in $38,000 that's deposited into our bank account. And I say after taxes, because people ask me sometimes, like, do you tithe pre-tax or post-tax? What do you do? To me, tithing and what you give is not supposed to be legalistic. It's supposed to be what you and the Lord have talked about is right for your family. And if 10% is what's right for your family, then do that. For us, it wasn't that way for a long time. We, didn't, we did not faithfully give when we first got married. And we had to grow into that and pray about that and learn what it meant to, you know, to be able to do that. But now as a family, we make $72,000 a year after taxes and so we give 72, we get $72,000 a year and so we give $7,200 a year. And that's just what we have thought is right for our family. And so when you do that, oh, it was gone. All right, so when you do that, if you've already got something on there, the complicated part is editing it. If you've already got something, if you've got like some sort of withdrawal regularly, it can be kind of tough sometimes. So what I had to do, I had to learn how to do this, is... Um, I had one transaction and then Brianna got a job and I couldn't change it, but sometimes the edit button works. I just deleted my transaction and started another one and that's how we do it as a family. So you don't have to leave that up there anymore. I just wanted you to know what we do because I don't want you to think we're asking you to do something that pastors don't do too. And so we're in this together because we are a family. And as we've talked about these different things, I don't wanna just leave us in the financial situation and then all these other things. I also wanna let us know that we are moving into a season that is very exciting. We're moving into a season where we get to celebrate new things. I love the lectionary passage from today and I feel like that's really where we are as a church. Christ calling us to go be part of ministry together. And part of that means rededicating our lives to Christ. We believe that where we are as a church right now in this season is intentional sanctification. And we don't have a catchy phrase. Sometimes you have like, this is our phrase for the year. 
for the next three years, five years. But we just believe we haven't been here long enough to really discern all these things as a, as a pastor group and along with you all. And so this is a season of rededication, of commitment, and also of discernment. And Robbins is putting together a vision team. If this is something that you think you might want to be on, please let him know, either by calling him or sending him an email before February 18th. And this is going to be a pretty big commitment because we're going to be discerning God's vision as a church. And that means we're going to be praying together, we're going to be meeting regularly, at least once a month, if not more. We'll read together. Like, this is not something to take lightly. But I also want you to think about who would you think needs to be on that team also. Nominate somebody. So please send Robbins an email. Call us and let us know if you would like to be a part of that. Because we believe as a church that amazing is now. Like we believe that God is doing amazing, amazing things through our ministries here at this church. We believe that we are in a season of excitement, of growth together, that in this growth, we will see new people come to faith. We will see people plugging into to small groups and to Bible studies. We will be able to celebrate together. All the, We will look back in a year and be like, wow, look at all the things God has done as we have taken this season to think about what are we doing as a church and who are we being as individuals within this church? And so as I close, as the band comes back on stage, as we get ready to receive communion, um, I hope this was helpful. I hope this is information that you take and you're like, oh, I know more about the church now than I did before. This was different for me and I've got a bunch of notes that I just left unread because I typed too much. I tried to figure out how to do this as short as possible, but I'm not very good at it yet. Next year, Vision Day 2019, hopefully I'll do you know, an even better job. But I just, I just love this church. That's what I want to say. I, just, I love being a pastor here. I love getting to spend evenings eating meals with you all and being in small groups. I love being in worship here. And this is a fantastic church. And if you are a visitor with us today and you're like, this is really weird. I don't know if I want to go back. And this is not what our normal Sundays are always like. We got some awesome spaghetti for you afterwards if you come join us. But know this, I'm gonna pray right after this. God is at work here. God is doing amazing things here. And God is going to continue doing amazing things here. And I'm excited that we get to discern that together and that we get to be a part of this together. I give thanks to God for this church, for you all, and for you allowing me to be a pastor with you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're moving us into a season of recommitting ourselves to our faith, about relearning what it means to be a Christ follower, about giving up of ourselves to serve you, to honor you, to grow closer to you. In this season of sanctification, help us when we fall and when we fail. When we make a plan, a resolution to read our Bible, help us to continue to do that whenever we say we're gonna be committed to our faith, convict us in ways that remind us of those things. God, I thank you that we are the church together and that you are leading us into such a beautiful future. Help us to remember and be present now to the work you are doing today. You are our God and we are your people. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.